In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the crazy dramatic win against Fiorentina. We'll be previewing the game against Victoria Pilsen in the Champions League, as well as Sunday's Serie A game against Sampdoria, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on Sempre Inter. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavale Ruzzari, wishing you back to a week, to another episode and another week. It's a Monday night when we record these. Um, that will, that sees Inter get off to a very decisive week in the best possible way. At least they enter it in the best possible way after a very dramatic win on Saturday night against Fiorentina. But before we get to all of that, because there is so much to unpack and we are going to unpack it. Let me begin by introducing my panelists. His, he writes a column on SempreInter.com called Five Things We Learned From Inter This Week. Mr. Jake Smalley, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm good. Um, I saw, I don't know if you noticed, but one of our listeners um, tagged us on Twitter with, <laughs> with a video of what you said. That, I, I, I know I've seen it, but I don't know... I don't know if I can believe it if I was hallucinating, if all of this... <laughs> I'm not a liar, I've told you this. No, you're not a liar, <laughs> but I, I, I cannot believe what I just saw. <laughs> they were literally sawing down the posts at St. Andrews. I mean, I don't... I mean, wow. Wow, I'm really looking forward to the frog now. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> astonishing. And we're also joined by uh semprinter.com preview writer mr positivity mohammed nasar mo lots of things to be positive about or should we be calm and not go be too positive what's your what's the verdict the initial verdict <laughs> i mean there's certainly lots of things to be positive about that have happened in the last few weeks it's a much better place for all interisti but like you said earlier in the in the, the intro to the show it is a decisive week so i think if all goes according to plan uh, on Wednesday night and then subsequently over the weekend, then uh, there can be real cause for uh, proper positivity and just not sentimental positivity for the rest of the season. I couldn't agree with you more. But before we get to that, we have to we have to discuss what happened on Saturday because it was a game that because that is why we are this positive uh, and we are this confident going in or we're not confident but we're happy going into this because that was a very difficult game Fiorentina away is always a difficult uh, away is always a difficult game for Inter for everyone um but um it was an, it was a Pazza Inter performance I've lost track of how many goals Inter are now scoring under Simone Inzaghi uh, late in games I mean it's Inzaghi time clearly in Zaghi time and that is a hallmark of a great team to score late to score decisive winning goals late in games and to just keep doing that under Simone Inzaghi that's a good thing but I mean let's I mean the, the, what everyone is talking about the main talking points are the refereeing decisions and I thought we'd delve into them starting to 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 go you know we'll go through them one by one and we'll have our say and i wanted to to just start with a federico di marco situation and i want to start with you mo i want to hear what your thoughts are i don't think i mean we all know that we all agree it's a penalty right but the the, the controversy has been whether or not he should he should have been sent off or not um and 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 he wasn't shown any card and i think we all agree that that was a scandalous decision he should have been shown at least a yellow card um, but I mean, the 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 the, the, the aftermath with you know uh, of 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 the of the sending off of the lack of sending off. What, what do you make of the situation? Do you think it was a red card? And what what's your thoughts on this 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 circus uh, that's been going on afterwards? Well, well, look, I mean, I'm not uh, Michael Gallo, so uh, my uh, I haven't earned my refereeing credentials just yet. It's, so I speak only as a, as an observer and a fan. Uh, um, I mean, like you said, there's no doubt it was a penalty. Uh, in my in my mind, I didn't for a second think there uh, a sending off would have been merited. I, but again, I'm I'm an Inter fan, clearly biased watching the game. So uh, 
again, like you said, a yellow card was certainly merited, but that's that in it wasn't a scandal for me. I understand you're playing at home in Florence, Fiorentina are playing at home in Florence, so I mean, but like my Twitter, Instagram, and uh, my uh, inter Instagram and Twitter where I've been inundated with pictures of that Danilo D'Ambrosio ridiculous penalty that was never a penalty. Uh, it was Maresca, right? Sempre tu, Maresca? No, uh, that was Abisso. I thought, that was, I think that Abisso. was Rosario Abisso. It was Abisso, Abisso. Good, yeah. Yeah, it was it was Abisso, Abisso and the Spalletti era, exactly. Yeah. Uh, e petto. <laughs> Spalletone. <laughs> Spalletone, exactly. Yeah, so uh, again, without uh, going on for too long, um, I think uh, in my mind, it was never uh, a scandalous decision. It was a clear penalty. It was given. I never thought that uh, a red card was in play. Um, I just, uh, for me, again, as I see, as I said, I see things through uh, Nerazzurri glasses. So I, I feel like in the aftermath, much is always made when decisions go into his way, refereeing decisions go into his way, uh, rather than when they don't, when they go, when, when they go against into it. And I don't know if this is because we're Inter fans, we feel that this is the case. Maybe if we talk to someone a bit more objective, like uh, Patrick Kendrick or Mina or, or James Horncastle, they can they can either substantiate or contradict this uh, opinion. But I, I, I always feel that this is the case anyway. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, Jake, I want to hear what you think. Uh, I think it's a bit of an awkward one, if I'm honest. I think the penalty, like Mo just said, it's, you know, it's in no doubt that it's a penalty, but... I think the issue that I sort of had with it, I, mean, I watched it back about half an hour ago before we uh, decided to record, just so I could refresh my memory. And it is quite high where he catches him. And I always try and think sometimes, well, if that happened the other way around, would I want a penalty for it? And would I want a red card? I mean, I'm, I'm not someone who's a fan of dishing out red cards, because I think sometimes if there's any contention, don't bother with a red card, because it tends to ruin games. And I don't think there was any malice in the tackle. It wasn't dangerous in his intent, he wasn't trying to hurt him. I think, if anything else, he was just trying to block the ball from coming towards him. So, I think penalty, 100%, um, I think a yellow card would have been fair. Here's the thing for me. I don't think I get the penalty is crystal clear. I want to talk a little bit about Di Marco as well, because a little later on, because um, the, the Bergomi said something really interesting, Giuseppe Bergomi said something really interesting on Club Calcio on Sky Sport last night, which I think really, really, we should discuss that uh, about how goals keep, the same goals keep coming in from the left-hand side. But discarding that, yes, Di Marco's late, Di Marco's clumsy, and it's absolutely a yellow card. Um, the, the, I wouldn't have had much many complaints if they'd given a red card either, but that's exactly it. I think it's a 50-50 between a red or a yellow. I don't think it's clear-cut either way. I think you can give it, um, give it, give give yellow or red. I'd be fine with with either. My issue is, and I do think that Paolo Valeri and anyone who's followed me and listened to this podcast know I I am not a fan of Paolo Valeri. I think he's an incredibly incompetent referee, and I think there's more more often than not, vastly more often than not, um, every game he officiates deteriorates into complete chaos because he doesn't under he's 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 completely inconsistent he makes the most ridiculously silly mistakes um and i i just don't think he's a very good referee um but uh, to pick on mo's point what you said the circus here's the thing and there's a reason for this um the reason for this is that they do this and and certain parts of the media and of course the juventus echo chamber especially the Juventus echo chamber do this and certain some parts of the Milan echo chamber as well do this. And this is it. The, in their heads, it's still May 2006. Luciano Moji is crying on the TV saying that, oh, I've been, I've, my life has been ruined. Uh, I've been, you know, uh, everything's horrible there. You know, I'm innocent uh, and, and, and I'm being set up and it's a conspiracy. That's what this is. The agenda started then, and it still goes on to this day. And the agenda is, quite simply, that Inter are just as guilty as everyone else in getting refereeing decisions their way. Juventus were completely stitched up. They were completely innocent. 
and there's uh, there's no conspiracy. And if if there is, then Inter are just as guilty as Juve. That's the nonsense narrative that they keep pushing and have been pushing for 16 years, going on 17. Discarding, of course, because they know that most people are stupid and won't read and look into the, 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 the what actually happened. And it has been documented what actually happened. It was convict. They were convicted. They were tried in court. The evidence was laid for everyone to see. And it's been upheld in every single legal, <laughs> in every single appeal since then. That's the agenda. The, the agenda is to paint Inter with the, with the same brush as 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 them saying, you know, Juventus were just were, were stitched up. All teams get wrong decisions their way, and so they blow every situation out of completely out of proportion. And that leads me nicely to my next point about the Lautaro penalty. They and because that is a stonewall penalty, and they and they do this. What they do is they say, well. You know, they compare it to the Napoli game. Well, why is Rui Patricio, when he when he touched the ball, um, then why wasn't a penalty given there? Completely discarding the fact that Rui Patricio blocks the ball, saves the ball. The ball bounces and goes out in a 90-degree angle straight out, whilst Lautaro Martinez dribbles the ball or passes the ball past Terracciano. Terracciano's fingers are on the ball. There's no doubt about that. But Lautaro and the ball up going past him and he brings Lautaro down and that's why it's a penalty. But this is this is the agenda that they do. And they have been doing it all the time, nonstop, since two, because in their heads, it's still May 2006. Because they simply cannot accept and live with the fact that Juventus got convicted in, 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 in a match-fixing scandal named Calciopoli. And they cannot accept that. They cannot cope with that fact. And so they, every single time they create these ridiculous, um, they invent these ridiculous exaggerations and narratives to prove that point. And to me, I just find it incredibly entertaining because I'm past that. If for those who are interested, you know, it's a public document. You can go and read why the courts found the way they did and and what the evidence was. And there's been loads of documentaries done with the police who investigated what happened then and so on. And and go and look into that. So I'm not even interested in relitigating that. I'm just providing a context as to what this is, this is really about. Exactly like you said, Mo. What This is why it always happens that every single decision that goes into his way, whether wrong or right or 50-50, this is the narrative. Always push the narrative. And the narrative is Moji's innocent. Juventus was stitched up. If Juventus are guilty, everyone is guilty. And of course, reality doesn't, but that's not the reality of the matter. So it is it is what it is. And 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 it's, I just find it really, really entertaining. But, you know, it is it is what it is. Um, as for the Dzeko and Lukajovic uh, situations, uh, my, my, my thoughts are, and I want to hear what you think, Mo, and you, Jake. Um, my thoughts on those situations are if you're going to disallow one, you have to disallow the other, because as they say in Italy, they're mezzo fouls, they're half fouls. I, I, I'm, I'm good either way. Either you disallow both or you don't disallow either one. So I don't think there's a controversy there either. What about you, Mo? Do you, do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah. yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. I mean, that's what referee consistency is all about. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What about you, Jake? I mean, any thoughts on on the Lautaro penalty and 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 the the De Frey being you know the Jovic on De Frey and Jeko on uh, on Milenkovic? I think it's really interesting that we watch a game of football that takes place at such a really good venue and played in such a high spirited sort of fashion that it was, and we spend twenty five minutes talking about refereeing decisions, and it's you know it's always going to be the same. It's what football has always been about to an extent, but it kind of makes me a little bit sad in other ways. I think, you know, we, we you know, it's the way the sport is, is it's open to interpretation and that's where we can have these discussions. But I think it's such a shame. We have video assistant referees. We have a referee in the middle. We have two assistants on either touchline, fourth official, and we still spend the majority of our time talking about, con- you know, controversial decisions. I think both of, you know, the, the Jovic and Jekyll incidents, it, it goes either way. And you, if you're really in detail, 
finalise out. It, it could cost people points. It could, you know, we've just talked about DeMarco incident. Inter go down to 10. They end up going on to lose the game. They end up winning it sort of quite scrappily at the end. It's, it's all such fine margins. And I think if you really spend so much time going into detail about every single moment that's ever been, it'll just, you know, go a bit mad. But, you know, I, I think that's where, you know, the Juventus agenda comes from. It's, well, look, you know, we got in trouble. Let's try and drag someone down with us. And I just think it's a little bit sad. I think if we're talking about them in isolation, it's all down to opinion. I think Lotaro's penalty, clear penalty. And I think as far as the other two incidents are concerned, exactly as you said, Neem, I think you can make a case for either side. But I don't want games to be defined totally by refereeing decisions. I think it's just such a shame. It takes the gloss off some of the individual quality that we see. Uh, quite often because they just become talking points and then we watch them over and over again on video assistant the referee changes mind it's it's it just takes too much of the center stage for me at times i agree i agree no i don't want to talk about the refereeing either but we have to talk about this because the circus that we've seen uh about this and the agenda that they're they're putting together is is, is bizarre and also what happened after the game at florence at, at, in florence where um you know, <laughs> Inter are basically telling journalists that Rocco Comiso was throwing a temper tantrum and trying to barge into the dressing room and, and Fiorentina vehemently deny it. Uh, Inter fan was, as we've seen on social media, assaulted on the in the stadium after the game. Uh, the, the, the person who assaulted him has now been banned for three years from the stadium. It's it, it wasn't a nice game. These are two clubs or two club directors that don't like each other, uh, especially, I think, after com- what Comiso said about Inter winning, not paying their wages, which is nonsense. They deferred their wages during COVID like everyone did, including Fiorentina, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it, it is what it is. It's, it's two clubs and two directors that don't like each other. You know, him demanding an apology from Inter. Inter will, you know, basically told him, yeah, absolutely. When the when the cows come home, you'll get that apology. You know, we'll, you know, forget about it. And 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 I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's gone. That's over. But I want to talk about. Um, I do want to talk about um, the game itself because it wasn't a very very thrilling game. But we have to talk about the the defensive issue which I addressed. And I like Federico Di Marco. You all know it. I've I've wanted him to come to Inter because I because I I think he's he's got some really interesting qualities. But the defensive de- deficiencies are there, and especially his positioning, and you know his his height and is not something he can do anything about. And his the, the, but the fact that he's not good in the air is and the fact that he's also his positioning he's a little bit slow to react. And I think the penalty situation is more a result of him. His, his poor positioning and his slow reaction that that that's and, and as Bergomi said on Sky these goals keep coming from Inter's left-hand side that's a problem and I wonder if it's not not time now to maybe try to really integrate Robin Gorsens into that into that left-hand left flank moving forward um I want to start with you Mo what do you make of that what do you think yeah it's true but I, I just I can't reconcile or in my mind, what what kind of player Di Marco is? I think he's probably, uh, I mean, he's the anti Darmian, uh, or maybe even anti D'Ambrosio, who's like a plain Jane, straight narrow sort of uh, player that gives you a consistent six out of ten or six and a half out of ten performance every single time. Di Marco is all over the place. The the, the game against Barca um, at the at the at the Meazza, he was he was sensational. There are other games where he scores amazing free kicks and his attacking contributions are amazing. And then other matches where his crossing is horrendous. So I think uh, Di Marco's the sort of player, he's not he's not that young anymore. I mean, he, he, he needs to um, develop into the next stage of his career. So he needs to start having genuine consistency on this play. So again, in Soma, I think... Uh, you're right in so far as there needs to be a more permanent solution on the left flank, whether it's Robin Gosens or someone else, I don't know. I mean, clearly the Gosens of Atalanta is, the, the Gosens of Inter this season isn't bad. This is closer to the Gosens of Atalanta than anything that we've seen in, the, in, in black and blue so far. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Di Marco is not a player that you can rely on long term or through an entire season. 
to put in uh, shifts week in, week out, or even twice a week in and out uh, at, a, at, at a consistent level. I think he's also an emotional player. He, he gives his all for Inter because he's an Interista at heart and grew up through the academy. So I think there's that as well. So if we want a, a stable, consistent performer on the left flank, defensively and offensively, then I would imagine that Di Marco in his current state is not the sort of player that, uh, that we can rely on. That's, that's a really interesting point. What do you think, Jake? Right, well, let's sort of start it back to about sort of 12, 18 months ago, probably even a little bit further. I think this left-hand side situation is this club all over. So you have Ivan Perisic who comes back from a loan because he was sort of thrown out for not being at his best level for Inter for quite a long time. He goes to Bayern Munich, plays really well, comes back, integrates a left wing back. Last season, I don't think it can be argued that he was Inter's best player. You know, I was someone who two years earlier were throwing him out and just got shut to him. When he went to Bayern Munich, I was quite happy. I thought, right, well, we've moved on from him now. He's been a massive miss, but in my mind, I, I, I thought the deal last last January to bring Robin Gosses in was brilliant planning. And I think it's almost, it seems it's as if it's been admitted by the club. They bought him, not knowing what sort of player he was going to be like post-injury, and that it was just a really good bargain deal. So they signed him. I don't think the manager's really that interested in him or that fussed about playing him. But I think at the moment, if you're going to compare him and DiMarco, I think you've probably got to start giving Gosens a run in the team. I, I really don't understand why he doesn't. I, I really like DiMarco. I think he's brilliant. You know, I think part of the charm comes from that he knows that it's been his dream to play for Inter. He gives it absolutely everything. I think going forward, he's a fantastic asset. Putting balls into the box, set pieces, he's brilliant at that. But as far as being an all-round complete player who's going to play for Inter Milan week in, week out, play Champions League football, he's not quite that good. If he played for Torino or he played for Sassuolo or you know, one of the upper sort of mid-table sides, he started every game with one of their key players. I think Robin Gosses as well is at the peak of his career, perhaps, at this point. Maybe we don't know if that's true in terms of... We, we don't even really know the impact this injury's had on him because he's not had a run in the team. He's not had a chance to get used to the system. But he's a player who, you know, just over 12 months ago, was starring the European Championships for Germany. He played a brilliant role in Atalanta's Champions League performances. So I just find it really, really bizarre. I think, as of now, I think I'd be chucking Gosens in and I'd be giving him a run, but I don't think the manager really believes in that. What I, what I will say, though, is I'm really glad that he stopped playing DeMarco as a third centre-half because that yes. really doesn't work at all. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. No, Federico Di Marco is not a centre-back. He shouldn't play as a centre-back. He can't jump. He can't, his, he can't, his aerial ability is dreadful. He is a wing-back. He's got a fantastic left foot. Uh, his delivery and his crosses and his set pieces are world-class. No, 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 don't play Di Marco as a left centre-back. And I'm glad Inzaghi's realised it. Now, when it comes to, I think it's a good option to have to alternate between the two of them. Because I think depending on the kind of game it is, if it's a game where you've got where you'd be defending deep um, and you've got space to attack and you won't have a lot of possession, I'd 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 personally prefer to play Robin Gorsons. If it's a game where you're going to have a lot of possession and you're going to bomb, you know, you're going to need to to uh, to overload the flanks and and have good deliveries in the box, I'd play Di Marco. So I don't I don't really have a problem either way um, with it, but I do think that. You know, every player has their weaknesses and their strengths. It doesn't matter who it is. Di Marco, Dumfries, you know, Lautaro, who everyone, every single player has weaknesses and strengths. Di Marco's weaknesses is his defensive game, his positioning. Um, and that's why I think, and I think he has improved on it, but he's uh, he still needs to improve. Uh, he really does. And I think he will. He's still very young. And and above all, he, re he loves Inter. He really does. He's an Interista through and through. He's from Milan. Inter haven't had a person from Milan in ages, like from the city of Milan. Uh, Biragi's from uh, from Milan as well, but it's not the city of Milan. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with that. I agree with, 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 with both of you fully. Um, it's, uh, it, it was, it, 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 that's the, you know, that, that, that was the most, um, for me, the most, the thing that stood out the most, but we have to talk about Nicolo Barella and we have to talk about Lautaro Martinez. I think Lautaro Martinez is the, is the only interplayer who consistently this season has been world-class. 
Um, what I mean by that is, yes, he's had a goal drought, but his he, his overall play during that goal drought was really, really good. Uh, even when he wasn't very good, when he didn't have the best of games, he wasn't, he raised his lowest level, so to speak. And I think consistently in both phases, how hard he works, how much he helps out in defence, the, the movement in attack, I think he's, and, and of course the finishing, I mean, that second goal is just world class. Uh, he said himself, it reminded him of a Milito and Aguero, and it's hard to disagree with that. He was, he was outstanding. Um, uh, Mo, I mean, w- what do you think about the comparison that he himself made to Milito or Aguero? Which one is it for you? Which one is it closer to? Uh, yeah, I, I honestly think he's neither. I think he's he's both and and, and a bit more. You know, uh, you know, how, like uh, where we stand or where I stand on uh, Lautaro. I think I think Lautaro's ability, his technical ability. Is, is better than both Milito and uh, Aguero. I think where he lacks probably is in Milito's uh, scoring, his actual finishing at the end. But Barella, man, Barella, what can we say about uh, Nico? Uh, he's been amazing. The, the guy was was having a subpar season last season. His, his, the start of the season so far uh, hadn't been very strong and it was probably a, a lot due to the exhaustion uh, of playing in the Euros and... Uh, the COVID season, but uh, the man is is, is possessed. Really, uh, incredible, incredible work. Both him and Lautaro, like like you said last week, Lautaro's physicality has been uh, much much improved. Uh, he, I mean, that, particularly in that second goal as well, uh, he can't get knocked off the ball anymore, and neither can Barella scoring while he was almost tripping uh, that goal. So I think it, both players are are clearly. A huge reason why Inter are, are doing so well so far this season, particularly Barella. When he was having a, a weak, uh, slow start to the season, Inter weren't doing well. Now that he's on fire, Inter are, are you know, are at their pazza best. Oh, agreed, agreed. Jake, uh, I mean, Lautaro and Barella. Uh, personally, I think Barella. I, I, I know he's ha- he's never scored more goals at Inter uh, since joining Inter. It's only October. So he'll, I mean, he could reach double figures and, and that would be an outstanding season. But I think in his overall play, I don't even think he's at 60% of his overall potential. Whilst I think Lautaro is, has never been this good. Would you, would you agree with that, Jake? Or what's your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I mentioned a few times when we've recorded about Lautaro this year, I think he's kicked on all the gear. Uh, I, I can't work out if it's something to do with the fact that Lukaku going 12 months earlier He's maybe looked back at last season and thought, you know, I went through too many sort of goal droughts. I know he's had one this year, but it's as if he's now the main man. And I think at the time where Lukaku came in, he was the main man. It's now seemingly that Latoro stepped up. And we said a number of times, both me and you, Nima, when we were discussing it last season, whether he had that sort of killer instinct to be a real top quality striker. But it, it seems if he's showing that, I think even his goal against Salonitana, was proof of that. It was a goal almost out of nowhere. He's managing to win into games through his own performances. Whereas I think at times last year he'd he'd score goals in games that into a win comfortably and he'd score a couple, he'd score a hat trick and you know, when when they needed him he sort of dropped away a little bit. But he looks like he's really full of confidence this year. I, th- I think he looks absolutely fantastic. And I think the World Cup comes at probably the right time for him to showcase his talents and prove himself to be one of the best strikers in the world at the moment. And I think where Barella stands is it, it, the sky's the limit. I think he's got absolutely everything. I think if he can have a couple more goals for his game, like you say, but he's, he seems to be you know, intent on doing that. He, he's good at creating. He holds things together. And the passion that he plays at you know, gives you you know, ultimate indication that he'll go on to fulfil his potential to be a great player. Because he's still a player who he's, he's not even reaching his peak yet. He's got more development to go through. He's come off the back of a couple of really brutal years, you know, the COVID break into playing to the Europa League final. He's then played the Euro final. He's played the Scudetto in his season. I think it was just a sense of fatigue with him. And, you know, his quality has never been in doubt. I think he can do everything as a midfielder. Um, It's hard to disagree. He really does have everything to 
to, uh, to well he does have everything i mean the only thing i guess he doesn't have is aerial is his aerial ability but other than that i mean the work rate but more importantly i wanted to touch base with you guys as well i, I wanted to, t to, t to touch an, on this with you guys and ask you both what you think that team meeting that every one of every single one of them keeps talking about before the game after the game we had a meeting we had a face-to-face -face meeting we we cleared the air but and that happened like a, a couple of weeks ago. And when they had that, ever since then, I've not seen the negative body language from Barella at all. And I think that's been a good thing. The fact that he's had to change his mental frame. It's been so positive for his game. And that's when he started scoring as well. You don't see the negative body language. You don't see the the sighing and the uh, and the throwing of the arms around and, and stuff like that. Instead, you actually see a positive uh, body language from Barella. And now you see the goals as well. Um, which I think is an interesting note. Um, I think the entire team, I mean, yes, we did see against Fiorentina uh, where Chalanoglu and, and, and Dumfries got angry with, you know, Chalanoglu lost it with Correa, which I completely understand for, 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 for doing something really stupid when he didn't even look at the ball. He didn't meet the ball, just you know put his head down and ran away instead of clearly meeting the ball, the pass, which any, everyone knew Chalanoglu was going to play. And then you had... Um, Dead Dumfries, who lost his mob, lost his shit with uh, Mikitarian in a situation. I mean, that's fine if that happens once, twice. But with Barella and Brozovic, they did it to every single time. I mean, you could literally set your watch after it. And I think that kind of thing creates negativity in a group. And I think it was important. And I think, and again, I want to praise Simone Inzaghi's leadership here because it's a very modern leadership to, at this level, to kind of have a team meeting, discuss with the players, let everyone clear, let everyone say what they think. Together, make a decision as a team. Everyone adapt to it and buy and buy it and move on instead of this kind of old school. I'm the boss. I decide. I tell you. You're just a stupid footballer. You're going to do as I say. Um, that that's not how his leadership is, and that and it seems to work as it's turned around, and it's turned. You know, the results have been you know have completely changed, and now uh, Inter are on the precipice of securing us around a, a, a 16 spot a place in the round of 16 the Champions League, knocking out Barcelona, who spent God knows how much in the summer buying world-class players. Um, which leads me nicely into, into the preview. Um, look, it's Victoria Pilsen. It's Wednesday. It's I think it's the early kickoff on Wednesday. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean... Yes, I know we talk about Inter and we shouldn't, you know, we, I'm, not, I'm, not, you know I'm not taking anything out. You know, I'm not counting my chickens before they're hatched. But I... I seriously, if Inter can't beat Victoria Pilsen, they don't deserve to be in the round of 16 regardless, right? I mean, we saw when they played Victoria Pilsen in in in, pra, in 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 the Czech Republic, they're not a very good side, are they? I mean, Mo, is there any? I mean, if like not ob like objectively speaking, this is a two three no win, right? Yeah, I mean, not wanting to tempt the fates or anything, just because there's so much hanging on this game. Terms of like season-long implications, uh, but like you say, objectively speaking, this Inter in our current form should beat uh, Victoria Pilsen easy. Um, yeah, I I go with a I go with a two two nil. I mean, actually, not even a three nil. Like you say, I I I, I predict a three nil just to make sure that there is no sort of uh, nervousness in the last ten minutes. Own the game from start to finish. Score two goals in the first half and then another uh, goal early in the second half and then Cruz, you know, uh, autopilot for the rest of the game. I, I hope this is my best case scenario and I'd like to lock that down as my prediction. I, I you see that that's what I think it should be as well. I mean, I, I want to see a controlled, cool, calm Inter come into this game, and and I think that's what we're going to see. Um, I, I I I'm very happy that Romelu Lukaku is complete. I mean, we're recording this on a Monday. He's completed two full training sessions with the team. Um, that makes me incredibly happy uh, because I think he has to start this game. This is a game he has to start with together with Lautaro. Um, and he doesn't need to play the 90 minutes, but I, he has to start, and he has to start and, and get 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 Romelu Lukaku going because um, we're going to need him when when you know before the World Cup when you play when Inter play both Juve and Atalanta away we need to have him firing on cylinders or at least on three on three or four cylinders if possible. But I want to I want to ask you, Jake, and, and I want to go back to Mo as well. Would you start Lautaro? 
together with Correa or Jeco, or would you start with with Romelu Lukaku? I mean, where it, it, where are you on that? And also, what's your prediction going into the game? Uh, as far as the game's concerned, it does stink a little bit of PSV Shakhtar, Slavia Prague game that you think Inter San Siro should win. Um, but given that we've seen Pilsen quite recently and they were rubbish, um, I'd imagine Inter can take the sting out of this. It's just playing the occasion. They don't need to get too wrapped up in that. I mean, I did say before the game on Saturday, get an early goal, calm it down. That's exactly what happened. Yet yeah, it turned into an absolute fiasco. So I don't want to tempt fate too much. Uh, I think based 11 v 11, the situation, Inter know it's pretty much in their hands if they win the game. I think they'll be in control of this and what it really does need I think is a performance from Arela Lukaku because given that Inter have really upped the performance over the last couple of weeks you know, to, to add another weapon to this side especially in an attacking sense could really give the players a real lift ahead of going into those massive fixtures knowing that they're playing well and they've then got Lukaku to come into things and knowing that the fixture schedule is going to hot up a little bit and knowing that the World Cup's coming I wouldn't start him I think I'd play Jekyll from the start. I don't think Correa deserves to start based off how rubbish he was on Saturday. I think I'd start with Jekyll because Jekyll's played against them and scored against them in the uh, first meeting of the team. So he, he knows what they're about. And I think I'd give Lukaku maybe half an hour, maybe a little bit longer potentially if the game's sort of done and dusted by half time. Mm, interesting. Uh, Mo, do you agree? Because uh, I don't know what I would do. I, I think I would. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with he, you, Anima, in that uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's right. I like I like uh, how Jake is uh, is uh, taking a, a, a genuine stance there. Yeah. I don't know what's right. I don't know. Thing uh, is, you, you thing is, I'm, yeah. I can see both our sides of the argument because Jekyll obviously, exactly. you, you know, uh, I was confident that I wanted to start Lukaku for all the reasons I said. But when Jake said it, I was like, well, maybe. How about then start Jekyll and then if it's 2 0 up, then bring Lukaku on at half time? Exactly. And let him score the third goal. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah. That's what I'm going with, Jake. You convinced me. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 convinced. I'm convinced. Um I'm convinced. I wanna yeah. Uh Jekyll, Lautaro, uh, and then at half time bring in bring in Lukaku or the fiftieth minute, for which managers Everywhere in the world, for some reason, like making a change around the 50th minute. I don't understand why. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. So then on Sunday, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a, it will be again at the San Siro. It's 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 nothing more than one giant love fest um, on. Uh, 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 yeah, it's actually it's on Saturday at. Uh, it's 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 on Saturday at 8.45 p.m. CET, and it's a beloved return. Deki Drago returns to San Siro for um, for for in charge of Sampdoria for a game that is going to be an absolute inter love fest. Um, and Sampdoria won today. Uh, whilst we're whilst we're recording, they beat Cremonese away. A really important win for them. To, to 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 in the relegation race, which I think they'll be locked in for most of the season. Um, but I mean, let's be honest, they are a dreadful side, and this is a if 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 Victoria Pilsen is a, is a comfortable two three no win, then certainly so is Sampdoria. No, I mean, what, what do we what do we think, guys? Jake, what about you? Well, I've just been watching that game, and they were absolutely dreadful. Score a goal out of nothing to steal a win against a team who were just as bad. Uh, I think this is where Lukaku comes in and this is where my method sort of evolved a little bit. I think give him a few minutes in midweek just to make sure that we don't give him 19. It knackers him out if he's been injured for so long. I think you give him 45 minutes or what have you uh, in the in the midweek game against Pilsen. I think you start up against Sampdoria. Beat them 3-4-0. Get a couple of goals for Lukaku because I'm, I'm not someone who generally gets sort of overexcited but from watching Sampdoria, I've seen them a couple of times this year and they are dreadful you know, they were quite lucky away at Bologna a couple of weeks ago. They were really poor tonight. And I almost thought that there'd be a bit more fight in them with Decky in charge. But I think they're just that poor and that poorly assembled a squad that they're really going to struggle for this season. I think it'll be even more straightforward than the win against Salonitana. So I think they'll win 3 or 4 nil. 
Well, that's that's an interesting. Yeah, I hope you're right. But but I mean, we we got to talk a little bit more about Deki coming back to 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 San Siro. I mean, it's going to be emotional for me because I mean, I love that guy. I really did. He was one of my favorite all-time Inter players. Uh, lovely guy too. Met him a couple of times. I really enjoy. I really like him. Um, and I, what, what do you think, Mo? I think a few things. I think uh, first of all, I, I like uh, Jake's boldness in his predictions. So I'm uh, I, I can only follow in uh, in you know carrying the banner of positivity. I can't under under predict uh, Jake's positivity. Um, second thing. I'm definitely it's it's always emotional seeing particularly the class of uh, 2010 seeing them come back to the, the San Siro as managers now whether it was Motta now uh, uh, Zeko, uh now it's uh, Stankovic uh, so yeah I mean it's 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 emotional for sure and it's crazy how old it makes me feel you said uh, 20, 2006 earlier was what maybe two years ago you said. 12 years ago what the hell did you say 16 years ago 2006 it's crazy yeah 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 it's <laughs> it's absolutely insane how, how much how much time flies but yeah. uh, the last the last uh, footnote is uh when we were talking about inzaghi getting the sack earlier in earlier in the season and people were were mentioning potentially stankovic coming in as manager and i really i like there's nothing i'm against more than you know destroying all these like ex in, uh, club legends whether it's uh lampard at chelsea or uh Seedorf at inzaghi at milan it, it would have been so so unfair so i'm just glad that he's coming in as a as a manager for sampdoria not happy for him because you know the team's awful but uh but rather than him coming at the bench uh for the nerazzurri so that's this is these are my three uh talking points Mm, for sure. No, I'm I'm with Jake as well. I think three easy three nil four nil four one win something a comfortable win. I'd I want to I want to start. Con- I don't like the Inter have conceded so many goals. So I want to see two clean sheets in the Champions League and and in the Serie A. Um, hopefully to build a little bit of confidence. Um, so yeah, right. Let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the positivity this week's Morati, which we present by Mr. Mohamed. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this qualities. Yeah, it's uh, got to be Nicolo Barella. Uh, we've spoken about his transformation in attitude and output. We've spoken about his, uh, his uh, goal-scoring contributions this season. Uh, his assists have been insane. So, uh, you know... For me, there there can be no one but uh, Nicolo Barella uh, as this week's Morati after that crazy, crazy performance against Fiorentina this week. For me, it's Lautaro Martinez for saying that he wants to be a bandiera, that he's happy at Inter, that he keeps saying how much he loves Inter, that he wants to stay at Inter, and he hopes to be a bandiera at the club, he said. That, to me, that makes me really happy because that... that he didn't need to say these things. And, and the fact that he does tells me that he wants to stay and um and that makes me really really happy. It puts Inter in a good position should they sell him even, if somebody were to come calling. I mean, if the, it means they would they would have to pay a an, an obscene amount of money, which I really really which which is good for Inter. Um, right, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's frog, which will be presented by Mr. Jake Small. Now I feel as if I've got a bit of a bar to sort of aim for with these each week now it's getting a little bit hard to keep hitting but it's only <laughs> your fault it's it's your own fault because you <laughs> find you're, you're so good at these <laughs> well i find often when we do these it's sort of a bit of a collection of world football as a whole where i sort of find these stories from but this one's a little bit close to home this week so um i wanted to start with Maurizio sorry's week this week and as a, as an english-based football supporter um, when Maurizio Sorry came over to England, I thought it was going to be a bit of a raw deal. And I, I am a bit of a football hipster, I will admit that. And I love his story. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think sometimes he's maybe done a few controversial things, which I maybe don't agree with too much. But I think as, in terms of earning his stripes and being able to coach at level he has, 
is absolutely fantastic. So when he was asked this week by a journalist how he would find his style of play, so sorry, ball, he said the best person to ask was his wife, who would most likely reply by calling him either grumpy man or a bit of a dickhead. So <laughs> I think that absolutely encapsulates everything that sorry is all about. In a, in a world of modern football, where we have these coaches wearing Stone Island jumpers and jeans on the touchline. We've got a smoking Tuscan whose wife thinks he's a dickhead. <laughs> I, I, the thing is, I, I, I'm so glad you said because I, I really want to give some, cause some love to Sari because I think he was so disrespected at Juve and Chelsea. Um, I, I think I honestly think that what he's done at Lazio is something I never thought he was capable of: pragmatism and building a team there with with very limited resources and and obviously players that not necessarily suit his style of football. Completely changing identity of the manager that was in before him with such a limited budget deserves. Yeah. I think a three at the back formation to to move to something that he's more comfortable with. I think he's done a fantastic job. I really think so as well and I think for me above all it's the it's the balance. He's he's got them playing so he's got the team so well balanced. I think they I mean Providel against Atalanta I don't know if people saw that he didn't have to score I mean, he barely he barely had to make a save uh, to to keep his sixth consecutive clean sheet. They've only conceded five goals. Uh, they've got the best goal difference in the Serie A, and I think the and and Romagnoli's been a fantastic signing. And and that's another thing because Romagnoli's not very quick. He's not the most pacey player, and still and and Sarri likes to play with a higher defensive line, likes to have quick defenders. He doesn't really have that in Romagnoli. But what he's done is he's find the right balance, which makes Lazio so difficult to break down. And and to be honest. I mean, you know, Inter's defeat against Lazio away, I think lots of teams are going to struggle against Lazio away. Um, I mean, Napoli, of course, beat them but away, but Napoli look like genuine, one of the best teams in Europe right now. So, you know, we saw what they did to Liverpool and Ajax home and away and, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. We saw, we saw what they did to, to Roma, who were defending really deep yesterday. So, no, it's, it's, um, it's, and I'm really, I'm really happy for Sarri. I really, really am. I think he deserves it. I think he was so disrespected and poorly treated. And, and, and I like his football. And, and, and I like the fact that for me, when, when a manager shows that he can, without, you know, completely selling out his beliefs, show pragmatism but within his system and get the best out of the squad he's got available uh, you know at his disposal that to me is the hallmark of a great manager and i wonder if sarri isn't with with this lazio if he continues and has a con- you know continues and has a good season with this lazio i wonder if he's not throwing his hat in the ring again for another top job an inter after inzaghi or a milan after pioli or even maybe the italian national team oh, i really wouldn't put it like i really wouldn't discard um, um, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't exclude it I really wouldn't exclude it Um, I wouldn't discard the possibilities possibilities uh, I'll put it that way right um, let's uh, move on to something much more uh, negative this week's Moji which I'll be presenting myself So um, today, this morning, I, I woke up and, and I saw clips from yesterday's, uh, you know, on Sundays in Italy. They have um, these football shows and debate shows. And I saw a clip from Mario Sconcerti, who's a legendary Italian football journalist. He's, I don't know how old he is. I think he's at least, I think he's north of 70. Um, and he, he, he he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a bit of an institution um, in Italian football. Uh, he's you know he he was born he was born in 1948, so that that's 52 plus 16 that's yeah he's uh, no sorry 52 plus 22, um, so that's that makes him 70 74. Um, he 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 is getting on a bit and and some of the stuff he's saying I mean just in the last few weeks alone, he referred to Erling Haaland as being someone with Down syndrome on national TV, as a joke. In the past, he's referred to Gianluca Di Marzio as being a a, a, a a fag on TV, quote unquote. And then this morning I wake up and I see him, what he said yesterday about the following the Fiorentina Inter game, where he, and, and all of these things he said, he said as a joke, and then he apologized for both of them. Um, and then and then I wake up to see what he said this morning about 
the Inter game and and and, and the the incident where where an Inter fan was assaulted, which which was going to be the moji of the week and is the moji of the week too. But this is just you know, but with his comments, you know, he says that the, he basically goes on a tan, he goes on a bit of a rant and says that you know it's the 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 fans were frustrated after a horrible decision where that were that inter you know that were inter should have been down to 10 men and they lost because of that and there are mitigating factors in this country referring to italy you could there was it was a mitigating factor if if a woman cheated on you and and you and you killed her it was a mitigating factor that that she cheated on you i mean really enough someone like i have so much respect for the older generation i have so much respect for these journalists that were trailblazers but now guys you know uh, it's time to retire um and more than him because this has been an ongoing thing with sconcerti time and time again more than him i i actually think the people who keep putting it on putting him on tv are irresponsible because it's it's not you know it's 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 almost bordering elderly abuse now to put an old man on in a position where he shouldn't really be in that he's no longer in in possession of his you know full capabilities uh, mentally speaking and he says the most outrageously stupid things just as a joke time and time again like i again i get that times change and whatnot but it's and it's not just one time it's continuously with him and so, you know, it's it's this week's moji has to go to Mario Sconcerti, the people who put keep putting him on TV, and and for and and also of course the the idiot who who, who assaulted another fan uh, in the stadium after the result because this is just come on, it's 2022, soon 2023, move on people, right? That's all we have time for this week. I'd like to thank you, Mo, for coming on. Thank you very much. Uh, lovely episode, and uh, can't wait to see another six points, baby. Mm, from your mouth to God's ears. Uh, Mr. Jake Smalley, always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you as always. I think this week's such a crucial week. I'm yeah. really looking forward to sort of meeting up this time next week and discussing, hopefully, into having one foot in a Champions League knockout round and having battered Sampdoria, like I said, on Sunday, so I'm proven correct. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope you are correct. And until next week, I'm your host, Nima Tavali wishing you a good week. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other. Six points and sempre e solo. Forza Italia.